1: Hi and welcome to another episode of Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the chicklet that made us who we are. My name is Karen Dunhu and I'm an author, a journalist and a blender full of semen. Joining me is author and perfect Lucy Atkinson's perfect mummy, Adele Parks.
2: Yay, the crowd <laughs> went wild. I am the crowd, so you are the I'm crowd. I'm pretty excited. The crowd one. Welcome Adele Parks. Let me know why you chose this book. I chose Why Mummy Drinks. By Jill Sims, because, um, and I'm sure you do know of this, all your listeners will know of this, but basically it's a diary of an exhausted mother. Mm -hmm. Now, my kid's grown up now, he's 18, so I'm sort of past that baby, young, constant exhaustion stage. But I remember it well because it scars you so <laughs> so you know it stays with you um, and I thought what was fantastic about why mummy drinks when I first read it was it just gave us all permission to be slightly less than perfect Yeah, she's way less than perfect you know she does drink she does swear um, and she doesn't
1: just like have a glass of wine on a no, Thursday night no she drinks she mummy drinks it back. <laughs> yeah she like, does knock it back like to the point where it's almost a bit dark in You're places a bit worried yeah, yeah. yeah
2: and actually I think that's quite interesting as well because yeah. you're right it is a bit dark and light and I think that's one of the things that's absolutely fantastic about the chiclet that we have is it's not all light and fluffy and mm. um, there are a number of writers out there and Jill is one of them that uh, wants to talk about women's lives in a very real way of going yeah look we laugh because if we didn't laugh we'd cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly we're both laughing and nodding at each other. yes I know um, yeah. so the story is about a mum with a young family and a pretty hopeless husband. I mean, he's not like, he's not beating he's her. Simon as
1: well, which yeah. is just like,
2: Simon is one of those names in
1: Chiclet where it's a stand-in for so much. There's a oh whole my... bucket of qualities that know, go with the name Simon. That.
2: I need to tell you something personal now that okay. I did not know. First your one, husband called Simon? I'm first sorry. one. First one, start a marriage called, called Simon. But, <gasps> Secondly, I have got, in my latest book, Lies, 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 the character's called Simon. Is he a but sexy character or is no, he a Simon Simon? he's a total Simon? pain in the ass Exactly, the pain so, in the ass name. Sorry to all Simon. So isn't that interesting? I didn't know there was that subtext. It's clearly been in the back of my no, head No, I, I, I
1: think I just have
2: read so many of these books in such a short period of time
1: over huh. the last year that I have noticed what names are stand-ins for what kinds of traits. <gasps> so Mark's, Chris's, Max's, sometimes Andy's, sexy boyfriend names. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Simons and... Um, Gavins and my boyfriend is called Gavin oh, bless are you. like that that idiot who she went out with before the book was starting and who's broken up with her now and now she's trying to get over. Okay. That's that's what those names are. Okay. That's Such a complete sideline but a total
2: sideline <laughs> but kind of relevant as well because the whole point of this book is her husband is is useless. He doesn't he doesn't beat her. He doesn't no. um you know he doesn't go off and do horrendous things. But he is just disinterested, and he's not pay the grown hole. up. Classic pain in he the hole. Totally hasn't grown up. hasn't He's not prepared to accept the fact he's now mar- married with kids. I think he was kind of happy being married, but I think the kids thing has really sort of broken the idol, which yeah. can I tell you, it can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I no disrespect, and I love my family, and I love having, I have loved being a mum all the way through, and it has been fantastic. But I think it's this, the joy of these books um, is it's allowing. As I say, for you not to be perfect, to have a drink, swear, have a few inappropriate mates. But there's the realism in these books. The school ground play, uh, the, the school playground politics. Mm. Now, I don't know how many of your listeners out there are mums yet or are even So I'm, I'm going not a mum yet. so I, Oh, would you like to hear about this? I would love to. Cause, great cause contraception. I, did, I did enjoy the <laughs>
1: It is great contraception. Yes. Oh my God. It I was, great was reading contraception. two books in the same week. One was like a high fantasy erotica yeah. and one was this. And I was like, just bring me back to the erotica. Yeah. I want to remember yeah. what and it a, is to feel.
2: Well, also you wouldn't be remembering much of the erotica <laughs> once you'd had the kids, just saying. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I am digressing quite a lot today, but uh, yeah, it's great contraception because it, it makes out that being a mother is just one nightmare after another. Which of course it's not. Yeah, there are huge times like the, obviously the vast majority of it, it, you spend your time knowing you're fulfilled and this is great, and you're carrying on, you know, humanity, and you're trying to bring a decent human being into this world, and you're trying to instill good stuff into your child, and all of that is really, really wonderful, and then there's the time where they're just spitting and clawing and biting you, <laughs> and you just feel like a failure. It sounds great. <laughs> uh, I'm selling it to you, aren't I? Um, but as I say, mine is totally grown up now, and it's all good, and he has turned out to be a really lovely human being, and I do think the planet is better because of him. But I remember these moments where you think, of all the places to have a meltdown, why did you have a meltdown in front of this mother? Oh, God. Which I think is what the book touches on as well, that um, it's hard enough being a mum mm. and having your first duty of care is to that child and mm-hmm. making sure the child is safe and healthy and hopefully happy, um, you know, so kind of fed and watered and the nappies are clean and all those good things. That's quite hard, okay? Yeah, just we're that. Breezing that incredibly over that. hard. We're bree- exactly, we're breezing over that, but that's pretty hard. But after that, there's all kind of these social... Um, there's a social context that sort of now, and I think it is very now, women have to kind of get their pre-pregnancy figures back Mm. super quick, like before they leave the hospital. And they need to always have their lipstick on and they need to, you know... Be absolutely patient. They obviously, uh, there's a, I know breastfeeding has got loads of medical uh, advantages for your child. It's just not possible for everybody. Mm. But there's a lot of kind of, oh, you should breastfeed. And there's a lot of kind of, and you should be having sex with your husband again because you need to keep him interested. You need to keep your relationship alive. I don't know, they'll look there where that got you last time. Ripped vag, just saying. Um, <laughs> coming out rather than in, just saying. Um, that would Going be in, really that would be bad. That would be really awful. I think you probably should edit that out.
1: That's so no, awful. I am absolutely keeping it in because the words ripped vag don't appear enough on this podcast. <laughs> What's really interesting about what you've been saying is so um, we've, we've been reading this from very different perspectives. I don't have children, and <gasps> yep. you do. Um, and while it is funny, there was too there was too many points for me where I w- were because I think maybe when you're reading it as a mum and this was written for for mums and mm-hmm. by a mum um to jill sims the love of your child and the fulfillment and all that kind of stuff is so implicit to her and so implicit to her audience that she Correct. doesn't need to say it yeah whereas i'm reading it as a childless woman and i'm like you're a terrible woman, mother does this woman hate her children no. does she literally no, hate them but that's it she
2: doesn't she will die for these children There's she really loves these scenes scenes children as well yeah. and then that is the thing and you're so you're so brilliant to have pinpointed that because that is the thing the love for your child the you know, is absolutely there solid. It's a given. So a given that you don't need to. You don't, mention You don't even it. need yeah. to say it. I mean, it is lovely if you tell them they like it, yeah. and um, <laughs> and we are a family that tell each other we love each other. But a in lot. the context of like writing a diary to yourself, there you is no because you it. know it
1: too much. To, you're you not. Say it's it. not like when you're um, meeting up with a child's friend, being like, and I do love them because she's writing to herself. Yeah,
2: diary. She doesn't need to say that to herself. No, because she knows it's it, it is the the makeup of her. The that is her being. She loves these people. They are her, but better, which is what you think of your children. You think yeah. they, they're me and maybe my other half if you still like him, but better. Um, and uh, and yes, yeah, so that is implicit. So all the moaning and whinging and all the telling of the tantrums and the relationship failures that she's not quite dealing with and she's not quite admitting to mm. is very human. And I was going on. I got sidetracked in my own head because I'm like that. I'm pretty random. But um, it's kind. It's called creative, honestly. Um, but uh, she she it is this thing about your child so you you've you've nurtured them you've got them fed and watered and, and then you you've got yourself kind of functioning and you're in clean clothes you changed your knickers that morning life is going well absolute star absolutely you need a gold star given to you but you don't get that because you then meet the mum who grows her organic vegetables in her garden pulps them and feeds them to her child and she will meet you the moment you're giving your child a cheesy what's it <laughs> which you only do once every six months when you're desperate but anyway that will be the moment you meet that particular yeah. mother and I think that's what's quite interesting about the characters in the book that she meets, she meets these sort of Um, People at the school gate that that terrorise her really and yet they're still only mums as well and they have their own insecurities and nobody's perfect and they are also putting on a show and they're also under huge um, pressure socially or maybe in their own relationships or whatever. So I think there's such depth there and 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 such honesty. There's
1: a kind of a reveal midway through the novel where um, she creates this sort of like app and it's it's one of the more because it's just a very grounded very realistic novel about the very Real struggles of parenthood and being a mum. And then it's like, it was quite a kind of um, a little bit far fetched storyline about wish in, uh, fulfillment. Wish yeah. fulfillment of she creates this app that is called Why Mummy Drinks. Yeah. And it's basically like a Flappy Bird type of
2: situation. I am guessing, I don't know, I've literally known so I have literally no inside intel, but because this is kind of semi it's not autobiographical but kind of semi-autobiographical and it is a diary it's a stand-in for being an author isn't it I wondered I did think maybe so this huge success came to her she her her column worked and you know and that took off and maybe that's when she wanted to give it a sort of level of fiction and a level of uh, sort of an anonymous slant and so maybe that's why she's got this app but what's yeah. interesting about it is she has this huge success, it kind of doesn't matter how she got this huge success, she mm-hmm. has it but it's generally undermined isn't it? Yes. Nobody takes it seriously. So
1: she makes like 200 grand out of yeah. this thing, over the course of a year yeah. and everyone's like oh your
2: Ellen's little thing. hobby, that yeah. little funny thing and, and you know what did you buy your mother-in-law for Christmas? Yeah. And, you know and it's almost back to back question and you and that's why, again, I think it might have been her, her novel writing because, mm. you know, you're, you're also a writer. Mm. But I think a lot of people think writing is so easy and everyone could do it. And, you know, everyone's heard the phrase, everyone's got a book in them. Yeah. So if you are a writer and I've been a writer now for 19 years, if I'd had a quid for everyone who told me that they were either going to write once they stopped their real career or... Or they they could they had a great idea too, or or oh, they'd love to have that the time for that do, yeah as if you just as so though you some just time. kind of do yeah. it and yeah um, then I would be a very rich woman and life would be great but um, so I think she's possibly trying to kind of work through some of her own issues and I just yeah. thought it was really honest and really funny and That's frank and 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 it gives permission, women permission to be a bit. Murky, a bit less perfect, yeah, and I think that's not a bad thing.
1: And and with the with the app as well, and it becomes this big hit or whatever, and it becomes a hit. and It's supposed to be lampooning the mothers who she hates, yes, and then the mothers who she hates think it's about some other set of mothers. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Which Actually, is that was so the only that I
2: was uncomfortable comfortable with. Really, I have to be honest, I. I spend my time trying not to hate other people. She hates very liberally she and that made me uncomfortable. Ha- yeah, yeah. I, I will say that about the novel. Um, but that's only me. I'm a bit of a, uh, My mum said to me, if you've nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I had a very silent childhood.
1: <laughs> um, but anyway... But she is uh, a bit... Sometimes she is a bit too much of a bitch for me and I'm a bit
2: like... Oh, I, I, you think, know? I think that... I can understand what you're coming from with mm. that. I totally can see that. And I felt uncomfortable with that. And I thought, I don't think I was ever that angry. And then I thought, maybe I was. not I just didn't dare admit it to myself. I don't mm. know. But um, I don't think it's helpful one group of mums hating another. But she kind of, I mean plot spoiler sorry but she does res- work through that doesn't she she resolves yeah, that she does she does and she sees people for what they are and she stops prejudging and I think she's trying to teach us a lesson in that too
1: yeah and there's this lovely scene where there's a woman across the street so I actually skipped the plot summary entirely but you kind of summarised it yourself in the first <laughs> sentence sorry. it's about a woman in a diary who has kids in its heart. Like that yeah. is, that is a summary. <laughs> um, and the summary and a woman uh, moves across the street about halfway through the book called Katie and she seems kind of bored boring and anonymous and her house is like from a catalogue and she's a bit like ugh she's boring and then she kind of forgets about her then her sister-in-law Louisa who's like this mad hippie we'll get into more in a minute moves in with her and then Katie from across the road becomes obsessed with mad Louisa uh-huh. and then she kind of goes over Ellen is incensed by this be like no you should want to be my friend yes. be my gross sister-in-law's friend and that's when it all, all the kind of scales fall off and she realises that her sort of Judginess, your judginess, and her irresponsible sister is attracted to this woman because that woman feels so trapped. Yeah, and she's like, she's like, I haven't had
2: taken a poo by myself in three years. Yeah, and actually, that showed that the the, ca- the character that Jill's writing about is uh, quite selfish. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing. And I'm going to throw out something so controversial now. Oh sure. Okay, so uh, women have been having babies forever. Mm-hmm. That is why we are here. But now we sort of have permission almost to make hard work of it and I Mm. wonder if we've gone a little bit too far because in this book I know I told you it was controversial God I'm going to get so many complaints so many letters so many letters our first letter perhaps because I know I know (laughs) yes with a stamp (laughs) they're going to put stamps on that letter Uh, no but um the thing is, is perhaps her life wouldn't be such hard work if she wasn't so busy judging other mums. Yeah. And, she and wasn't then hating classifi- them for judging her. Yeah, and, and classifying people and all that kind of thing, which I think is the lesson that the author is telling us mm. and taking us through with the character and the character's growth and the character definitely has those... Um, faults which i think is fair to sort of show faults and then kind of iron them out Mm. and she has her vulnerabilities and she has her strengths and i think that that's kind of that's a real character so that's good but i think uh what happens is she is so obsessed with her own life and her belief that she's a failure that she isn't quite bringing Mm. up these children the way she should that she resents the woman that she looks at and thinks oh you are doing a good job instead of kind of going. God, you're doing a really good job. How are you yeah, well doing done, it? love, yeah. How are you doing it? Could you help me? Mm. Which Oh, she never she, asked for help, No. Ever. And I think that would have been... Qu- I mean, it wouldn't make a great book because everything would be... I, it's not a good book. If everything's great at the beginning and it's yeah. great in the middle and it's great at the end, that is not a good book. This is why this is a good book because there is an arc and an uncomfortableness and then we get the resolve because mm. she becomes good friends. They become
1: good friends, yeah, don't Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and she does something... What, what what I really liked about it, so the sister-in-law, Louise, that we talked about, yes, who arrives towards the beginning with her brood of six children, all named Mental Things, and they live in, like, like way up in the highlands at this, like, wellness retreat, and uh-huh. it's, like, it's every new agey stereotype you can think of. And to the point where, when I first was introduced to this family, I was like, oh, it's all just jokes about lentils kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, this joke has kind of played out. But the longer we spend, because what happens is that relationship ends up breaking up. Louisa and her six children come to live with them for quite a while towards Mm. the end of the book. And we kind of peel back more layers of this character and basically how she has been allowed to not be accountable for anything her entire life. Yes. And Ellen uh, eventually has to step up. Give this woman who she hates a hundred grand, yep. so she can start her new life, and so her children won't be like taken into care, essentially. Yes.
2: Uh, and and that's when we love Ellen isn't it? And
1: that's what and, and like and it takes yeah. her like a week and a half to come to this because yeah. it's so, and she's like, I cannot believe I have to give
2: this money. I am bailing out the person I resent most, and the reason she resents her is because of the, as you mentioned, she doesn't take responsibility, and having six children is a huge responsibility. Yeah. I should imagine. I haven't got six; I've got one. That's a big responsibility. So six is clearly a massive responsibility, and it's also a silly number. It's obviously mm. to prove a point. It's for comedy. Mm. This book is, you know, we haven't we're talking about the serious bits. It's extremely laugh out loud funny.
1: Yeah, sorry. I feel like when I do this podcast, I always
2: focusing on yeah. the issues,
1: and I'm never like but this is it funny. Is, it
2: is <laughs> extremely laugh out loud funny because again, going back to if you don't laugh, you'll cry. But um, she. She has to do this. She is worried she's doing the thing that has always happened to the mad sister in law that she's bailing her and she's yeah. giving her permission to, to mess up again. Yeah. But in fact, she's seeing the bigger picture that there are six vulnerable kids in this. Yeah. And actually, we start to get the characters of the children, don't we? And we the do they kind of sneak through. And you yes. kind of go, that one really wants a decent. Different. You really life. feel for it, kind of the oldest do.
1: girl as a proper
2: like yeah. she just wants to have normal clothes. Yeah. And then there's a younger
1: boy who's like a communist. He wants to reappropriate all of the devices. Yes. <laughs> act of like because Marxist rebellion. He, he
2: just basically wants a, a device. <laughs> yes. he? Because he's not allowed on any screens, and it's just his way of getting a screen yeah. that's kind of appropriate that his parents will allow. But um, but it's also actually about vulnerable kids and our yeah. responsibility as parents. And I think in a very comedic way. All the characters grow up, even mm. the sort of hapless husband. They all grow up and they all sort of um, take responsibility. And, and it's a kind of rite of passage, mm. which actually having a child is a rite of passage. It's honestly the time when you realise you are an adult. Blow. <laughs> <laughs> I could have said something so much worse. Blow. <laughs> Just because I know there's letters coming already. I don't want to make this worse. You don't want three letters. You don't want three letters. All <laughs> with stumps.
1: <laughs> One of the moments where I like, literally laughed out loud and I was also like, oh my God, I, I, I've I've never thought of this ever because I, I have nieces and nephews and I love them very much, but I don't, I'm don't. i not ferrying them around the place. You yeah. know, I'm fu- the fun aunt who comes in. Um, there's a moment where she helps with the school trip towards the beginning of <gasps> the book. Yeah. And- <laughs> She's like, I hadn't realised how smelly children are the, the, because yes. they're just farting all the time. Yes. And it's just this classroom of children farting constantly. Yep. And they have. Like, oh, my childhood classroom must have been full of farts. Yeah.
2: And they have another smell that's just, other mums will just go, you know. Year seven smell or we'll go year three smell. We know those distinct smells because it's to do with hormones. It's to do so with sweat. Weird. It's to do with what they've spilt on them. If they're still weeing. It, well, obviously we all wee, but you know what I mean? Weeing, but not in the loo. So there's all sorts of smells all the way through. Children have the worst breath. Why is that? <laughs> they're bad at cleaning their teeth. They are bad at, <laughs> I clean. love my
1: niece so much and she has the worst fucking breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they, they really need to. Help
2: they're cleaning and the teeth. I think it is that. But I just think I think teachers deserve a medal, don't they? Uh, my sister and my niece are Just much more money. <laughs> oh, a lot more money. That is what they need. So my t- sister and my uh, niece are both teachers. And I have gone into my sister's classrooms before in the past and that has always been my thing. I've come away thinking, how doesn't she notice? How bad they smell. Yeah, because she's got a really good sense of smell like I have. Maybe she notices, but she's more polite than I am. Oh, perhaps, yeah. Maybe.
1: After a certain point, how much can you tell
2: a seven-year-old that they stink? Yeah, well, you can't. You never can. That's the thing. <laughs> um, lots of opening of windows. Lots of fresh air. Yeah, I love fresh air, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I always stand in my coat. Okay, <laughs> with the windows open. Um,
1: I I um, by chance happened to see a talk with Caitlin Moran recently, and she used this term that made me think of it every time I was reading this book, which was um, she says, uh, you know, everyone loves to make TV shows and books about women in their twenties having weird sex and having depression and ennui and stuff, and she was like, well, I found that my she was like my late thirties and early forties have been where I've become the weaver of society. And that's what w- women's role is, where it's like, you're like a human switchboard operator yeah. for like, oh, my mom's ill. Oh, my partner's mom is ill. Oh, Pulling kids need... Yeah, you, you yeah. become the switchboard operator between every different thread of society, mm-hmm. between the old and the young, between your in-laws, between yeah. that.
2: And like that... That, I, I just thought of that term the entire way through. Absolutely. It is that sandwich thing that you're looking after a young family, but you might already be starting to look after older yeah. people as well. And maybe you've got siblings that aren't as settled or, you know, and they still also need need help. Or maybe they're more settled and that's annoying too. Trust me, and um, so there's the you know, and also you've got friendship groups, and yeah. your friends are quite quite often at very their different series, up and, yeah. yeah, or they're just at very different times of their lives. So my my best so my kid's eighteen, and my best friend, one of my best friends, has got um, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old so our lives are so very very different and we've always had our kids at very different stages and obviously when I had a kid for 11 years she still was running around having a great time so there's all of that and you just have to somehow hold it all together because that is life Whereas when you're at school and maybe a student, everybody is kind of progressing along at the same time as Mm. you and you get tricked and lulled into false sense of security that, oh, everyone's going to just plod along at the same time as me and when my good fortune happens, their good fortune's going to happen. If something goes wrong, it's probably going to go wrong for all of us. Oh, look, we've all got a bad teacher, which is Mm. the worst it can be at year Mm. 10 or something. But of course, as you get older... You're finding your own path and none of our paths are the same. Yeah, it's like it's splintering and then those
1: splinters mm. splinter. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like maybe you have a baby at the same time as your best friend but then her child has vastly different needs to yours yeah. and that splinters her off and yeah. it's just splintering splintering because you realize that it's just you on your own
2: yeah and maybe a partner <laughs> you know <laughs> and also this thing about the sort of responsibility and understanding that actually we i it sounds very deep but there's you know we're here make the most of it we're always talking about that everyone goes oh live in the moment live your best life and I'm kind of spend a lot of time thinking right what is my best life part of your best life actually is being a decent helpful happy human being and I don't mean helpful that's that's become a kind of bad term because it generally is associated with women and that we're sort of seen as people pleasers and I'm not suggesting for a minute that's what women should be but I think Everybody, no matter what your gender is, you should try and be a helpful, constructive human being because we're part of a society. Yeah. And actually, this book touches on that. By having a little tiny microcosm society, it actually touches on you do have responsibilities to people you might not like. You might not yeah. understand their values. You might not think that their life choices have been great. But you might still find you've got a responsibility to them. Which is huge!
1: Wow, that's it's such it's such a great point as well because I think the um, the cult of the perfect mummy and, the, and that and that that concept exists outside this book and everywhere in society and I think even more so with you know it's such a boring point to bring up with social media comparison culture all of that where it it makes everyone feel like they're in these like tightly wound little units that has to like have have a good shop front at all times mm-hmm. and then we lose the sense of like we are like. We are a society. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we are. if if another woman can't look after her child then it is
2: and what, it is up
1: to you to just yeah. step up and step and in. And actually, you know?
2: that's what mums do brilliantly. And I think in this book, the other thing that comes out is the warmth and kindness that actually does exist between school get mums. So there's a lot of, I mean, I've already spoken about it. There's a lot of um, airtime, for want of a better word, given to rival mums and mm. the perfect mum making the less perfect mum intimidated and who's judging who's more perfect than the other anyhow. But there's actually a huge community of people that You can ring up, I I know this throughout my career and my son's childhood, that there was always a bunch of moms I could ring up and go, I am late. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you pick him up? Can someone give him something to eat? And they would know his, like... Uh, Timetable yeah. and they would know his food, and I did that for many other mums. And you just step in because you know. And it has nothing, no- they might like you or they might not like you, but it has nothing
1: to do with Doesn't you. Matter. But it's like, yeah. it's like it's a mother monkey the- has dropped her baby, yeah. and I am now holding two babies. Yes, like-
2: <laughs> because that child is part of the society, and we want to teach them. You know, we're constantly saying to our kids, share, be nice, don't hit, use your words, all those things. Yeah. And then we forget that as adults, all of those things are appropriate and reasonable and the only reason we're telling our children is because that's what we would like them to be as adults so i think all of that kind of comes through and it's only this kind of wise old sage because he is 18 now that i can look back and think of these things Mm. because when you're in the actual storm planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials
1: you'll want for your next getaway like european linen You yeah. don't get
2: time to breathe. You just think, thank you, or bugger you.
1: When you were in the, the Eye of the Storm, if you had time to read, would you have appreciated this or would you have wanted an escapism? Would you, like... Because I, recently I, my, I recommended that my sister saw, who's in The Eye of the Storm, she's got a yeah. seven-year-old and a four-year-old, um, and she, I recommended that she saw the movie Tully, which okay. you, yeah, I don't know if yeah. you've seen it, but I haven't. I know of it. But, but kind of a similar vibe to this, with yeah. a kind of a Fight Club edge. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and she went to see it, and she was like, "I just, I just didn't want to. No. I didn't want to see a mirror. I wanted to see a Seek. portal." You know? Yes,
2: I think it's okay if there's a solution. Yeah, I think that's what we all need from our um, our, our novels, anyhow. Um, so, totally different. The kind of stuff I write is, is set in homes mm. and in families, but it's pretty dark. Mm. you know it's domestic noir. something is going to go badly wrong and horrible. so Most people reading that don't want to be that. They're almost glad it's worse for someone else and they're kind of nosy about it but they're also looking for a resolve Mm. and I think that's the point of this book. There needs, and there is, a resolve of sorts. You know, you know that she's muddling through. You know her kids are going to be fine. You know that her nieces and nephews are going to be better because of her intervention, which has come from her her work and her earning this money Mm. and so you know she is growing and developing as a human being and that's kind of lovely. So when Conrad was tiny, what did I read? God, did I even? I mean, I, I remember this very clearly. So I've written a book a year throughout his life. That's incredible. Thank you, thank you. That's incredible? I remember going to a So I was in this NCT group. There was seven of us, and we were we were close. But the thing we genuinely had in common was our babies were born within a month of each other. Mm. So somehow we were signed up into a club that I don't even understand. I, I don't even know when What's I signed the NCT up to club? it. National Childbirth Trust, oh. which is a really nice charity that basically and now. The, I'm wooly on the details, but when you have a brand new baby you can kind of go into your local community and say my baby was born on this date anybody want to meet up for a coffee and the National oh, Birth Trust that sounds nice sorry, it is.
1: people must be like Caroline you're an idiot I'm, no. I'm sorry I just don't know this world no
2: but I was exactly the same and this uh, I was told by another mom to do this and I did it and so there's sort of seven of us and we were put together as this group and first of all the National Childbirth Trust woman who probably has a, like a three year old host in her house mm. sees that we kind of get on and none of us are ex-murderers and then we sort of swapped it between our houses and And we had joint baby birthday parties and we were friends for a few years and it was a really lovely friendship for like a period of time when we all just needed to get ourselves moving but I do remember writing a novel a year throughout that and one and trying to get the mums to support me by buying my book I know I know very very commercial of me but I was going going my books coming out next week please will you buy it and and tell your friends to buy it. You
1: got to hustle, man. Especially if gotta you hustle. can't be
2: going down to London every ten. seconds I was a single mum at this point, oh, so I Jesus. definitely had to hustle. Adele. Yeah. What are so, you like? And so and I remember loads of them just turned to me and went, oh, I haven't got time to read and, and I was like have, I've, I've written it don't give a have, fuck yes. <laughs> buy it <laughs> just buy it use it as a coffee mat do what you need but, um, but it was quite interesting so it's quite interesting thinking what did I read at the time I think I ca- I mean I did carry on reading this just wasn't out I mean oh, another reason I'm attracted to this book is it's kind of a Bridget Jones for grown ups so I was the Bridget yeah. Jones generation Yeah. but I remember when I read Bridget Jones thinking well I don't really behave like that but I know someone who does so I guess which I was by the way kidding myself, just saying. Mm. So I guess when I if I'd read this when I had a young one, I'd have thought, Oh well this isn't me, but I kinda know who it is. Because yeah, I don't think yeah. we see each other ourselves no. very well, maybe.
1: I was thinking as well, it's really interesting, particularly maybe
2: it's in all traditions of
1: literature, but particularly in British literature, there is this thing of like, I think maybe because the society has always been so obsessed with maintaining a good shop front, even pre-Instagram, pre-whatever, yep. of the um the Secret Diary thing. So we had yes. Diary of a Nobody, which yep. was, you know, very, very, a mirror to this and like very middle class people trying to do their middle class thing, yep. but like dying on the inside. inside. Exactly. Like Adrian Mole, like that yep. whole series, Bridget Jones or whatever, this thing of people who are trying so desperately to present a perfect shopfront and yes. failing and their internal sort of thoughts. I yeah. think that, that formula works with English people in a way it, it just that just chimes We must be
2: very perfectly. nosy, maybe. Yeah. Because there's nothing more exciting. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing more exciting than reading someone's diary. Not that I ever would. I so would. <laughs> it's a good job I don't have a teenage daughter. I know. I was just thinking teenage boys never keep diaries. No, surely. they don't keep diaries. And, you know... No, because they'd have to write. There has to be one ever, and it was David Bowie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, the the kind of idea of reading someone else's diary is very secretive. And I think it is a lovely literary device because it's basically saying, look, I'm allowing myself to be myself. Mm. And I'm just letting it all out. But it is, as you quite rightly point out, also saying because there is nowhere else for this to go and whether that's because you're an angst teenage boy aka Adrian Mole or because you're a fretful mum there is nowhere else to go and I'm feeling vulnerable and lonely and the only person I've got is myself but you know there's nothing wrong with a bit of self-reliance which is the other thing about a diary it is basically working through understanding yourself having support having friendship groups having family and people that kind of tip up and turn up and chip in but in the end, you're working out who am I, what am I about, what have I got inside me. Yeah, and another great
1: device, uh, another thing that the device allows, rather, is that it allows our characters to write down what they want to do and then yes. we get to see how it goes. How they, Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is a big thing in this book, isn't it? it it's
2: also quite an interesting device because it's quite restrictive because you have to be, I think that's why she has to be. You can't show, have any other present tense, can you? No, no, and you can't have anybody else's opinions or thoughts mm. because they've always been filtered through the diary. So, you know, there's only going to be Ellen's opinions and thoughts on what someone else might be thinking. Yes. You can't genuinely see what her sister-in-law is thinking. And in in that way, Ellen's kind of a bit foolish because actually we all are Mm -hmm. because we're actually myopic and we do only see things from our own points of view and we have to grow and we have to kind of do this community thing and understand that there's other points of view. And I think that's what Jill, the writer, the novelist, has done. Um, She has given... Ellen the kind of role of we're laughing at her mm. we're laughing with her sometimes but we're also laughing at her because we see her faults quicker than yeah. she does um, and so she's sending herself up too which is quite interesting and
1: so you've written, you've read the whole series at this point because this is a, a three the first one came out in 2017 and the
2: third yes. one is already out yes I haven't read the third one so I've, I've done the first two mm-hmm. um, and actually I did them in a bizarre order I was I came across the second one first Mm -hmm. and I read it and it's the kind of novel you can pick up the second one and kind of go yeah I get it because she was on about her her huge kind of um, app success yeah. and then when I went back and read the first one I was like oh that's sweet you know I would recommend you do read them in the proper order and not have the kind of scatty approach I have um, and, and I might be done now I might not even you know read the third one but I probably will if I need if I have like a little hour and I need a bit of a cheer up you're going to
1: be in WH Smith soon near an airport oh, like you're, you're, and, you're and gonna... it is a
2: cheer up you know it gives yeah. you a giggle you will laugh out loud and you just breeze loud. through as well you know you what I mean you do breeze through it's a yeah. great sort of like Kindle like la 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 la. la you just float through it but you see why I said I might be done is I'm going like okay he is 18 it's time to not let just, go of this yeah, yeah let go of the kind of how I define myself is because I'm a mother and now let's how I define myself is something different I'll come back to them when I'm a grandmother I hope oh. she does oh my god oh, wouldn't it be, be brilliant great. she should yeah. keep writing
1: so yeah. what happens in the follow on books and, and like I would be really interested to know because the first book is a debut for Jill yes and um, it was off the back of this huge blog called yep. Peter and Jane and it was yep. sort of a, a kind of a send up of those uh, puffin readers like yeah. Peter and Jay and go to the beach and
2: yeah and behave West. perfectly yeah
1: exactly and so it was, so she had to like take this very short form but very popular thing and make it into a novel and you can see it as, as somebody who is now on their third project and so my, my debut is still very fresh in my mind um, of like oh, I can see when another debut person is working things out, figuring out what they want to say. And how does her story structure well, evolve, do you think? Her,
2: char- her characters, uh, so the kids obviously age and grow yeah. up, so the challenges are slightly different, and I think that's part of it. Her ca- All her other accessory characters all develop in slightly different ways. Mm. Um, and actually it's a bit like watching a soap opera. So, you know, like when you buy into Coronation Street or EastEnders or whatever and you just kind of grow up with people, Mm. I think that's what's going to happen for Jill. There'll be a lot of people with kids younger than mine who did start reading this at the same time, you know, with kids about the same age as the the ones in the book. And they will probably grow up with her and she probably will take them through teenage years and all the tantrums and slamming doors and drink and drugs and yeah right because they because in the first one they're quite small yes. still and she never says specifically
1: how old no, they which are is which is quite clever it, it, very clever yeah it keeps it open but you get a you get a sort of like a also, a in your five diary, you don't say how old your no, children. Of course, are. you wouldn't. So you yeah. see, she's
2: really good. She's yeah, really yeah. honest and really real. She hasn't done. She hasn't broken the third wall. Yeah. You know, she has done all that kind of keeping. It, yeah. Why would you? She, why would she, you, she never
1: s- tells herself anything that uh, you would know? You wouldn't. Yeah. yeah cause, exactly. Because
2: you never sit and write my diary and got my children are now yeah. four. And so, I live in the town
1: of Black. Yeah. Like I, you don't. You know, she no.
2: lives fairly far from London that she has yeah. to take a long train. Yeah. But that's all you know. Exactly, and that you know, you you know her views on that train journey. Actually, is the thing. You know. And that's how you learn stuff about her. So I think that's quite cozy as well, because I think that uh, I think that works, and I believe in it more because of that. If she set it up saying at the beginning, if there's just a little cheat paragraph of saying who yeah. was who, yeah. I'd be a bit disappointed. I've liked discovering the people the way. If you do meet a neighbour in the street, you might slowly discover yeah. them and find out more about them. And it's nice
1: through the year of the first book, you kind of at first her kids seem very like amorphous blobs, just like things that are in the way, and then you slowly get an idea of their person. Personalities, like Jane's quite sort of serious and tomboyish and, but yeah. also quite destructive but proper. Yeah. And then the, the boy is like quite a little ethario and he's quite cute and he's quite cuddly and stuff. And you kind of do get to like them. Um, how how do they develop as it goes on? Because I'm really interested to know. Yeah,
2: so they, they do get, get older and they go into school and that kind of thing. But we do just get another year in the next diary. Yeah. So she hasn't kind of given us, she hasn't suddenly grown them yeah, up yeah. to, you know, whatever level. Um, so there's a lot more kind of, um, uh, there's, it's wrong to say there's more of the same because that's doing a disservice but you, the characters we love are there again but you see them um, I can try not to give too much away you see them move and develop and you see friendships grow and things fall apart. And Your typical sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to give too much away. But maybe her marriage comes... Let's just put this way. Oh, her marriage. Simon. Boring Simon. Simon gets a bit more of a, a microscope, I think. Oh. Yeah. I think sh- the focus shifts a bit more in oh, the that's second that's interesting. Because mm. he's a bit of a mystery. He is. And one. he's just almost... And he's actually, a bit ma- of a cliché. He, like- he just disappears. And actually, a lot of husbands... <laughs> well, some of them completely disappear. But some <laughs> of them... Still live in your house and disappear. Yeah, when kids come along, and and men quite often say, "Well, I didn't find a place, and I felt pushed out." And others kind of go, "You know, you want to say to them, make a place, push yourself yeah. back in. I really need you." And I think that's another thing she's sort of talking about, and that comes up in the second book. Oh, I'm but I'm interested see in that. the third one because the third one is called "Why uh, Mummy Doesn't Give a." And then there's an S and some stars. So oh. you, have to, you have to make that you word just, up. Just
1: a little word puzzle little word puzzle, <laughs> work it all out.
2: Anyway, but that's quite interesting if you literally don't give a, isn't it? Because oh, yeah. that's, a different, that's a flip again. I wonder if it's all going to just fall apart. don't know. Oh, she's gonna Maybe I am going to need to read it on the way home. Stop serving lunch altogether. Yeah, just... I'm going to pick it up on WHM with oh, travel on the way home.
1: Great. Yay! Um, uh, when, when you write mothers in your books, so have you... I know you write domestic noir and mm-hmm. you've written a hell of a lot of books, <laughs> but is there... Do you have anything front of mind when you're... Because you are a mother and you know that they are within your demographic being like, I... Is there a way of, that you want to represent motherhood responsibly? Like you don't want to fall prey to the same old stereotypes?
2: Yeah, I think, um, interesting with domestic noir, I, I tend to take my characters to very, very dark places. So I've had novels about a mother with a 15-year-old being told that actually biologically this baby you're brought up for 15 years isn't yours. The babies were swapped in a hospital and, um, you know, this baby isn't yours. And that was all about motherhood. Mm. Um, Mm. That's called The Strange of My Home. And that was all about, you know... What is motherhood then? Yeah. Is it the fifteen years you've been nurturing that child, or is it the biology? And the only reason it's come up is because her child now might have a genetic problem because oh, wow. her birth mother had a g- genetic problem, and that's why they've bothered to track her down. So, um, so I've I've written books like that. I've also written books about um, mothers dealing with having a, a a young male in their house and realizing they're men. They're not. They're just their boys, because I think that's a really interesting thing as a mother of an eighteen-year-old. And I almost found it to the day that he stopped being my baby boy, hmm. and which is stupid because obviously it's seventeen. He's nobody's baby boy, <laughs> and he's way taller than me, and has been since he was thirteen. But by the time he was eighteen, almost to the day, I just thought, "Oh my God, you're you're you are a legal man. You are." You, you can do what you're so scary yeah because actually then it's so like you can be down, imprisoned you can be knifed you can be can imprisoned be, you can be knifed you can go and do whatever you want I can't stop you you could drop yeah. out of school you could uh, take drugs and also drink. societally you become in some sense a dangerous thing yes you know all of those things and then it's still your baby boy so actually I was really um, so that was I invited her in that was looking very closely at that mother-son relationship and you know when do you let go and how do Let go, but still support them because actually, whilst we talk a lot about um, supporting mums when children are little, there's a lot, there's not a lot said about being a mother of a teenager, Mm. and actually, being a mother of a teenager can be very scary and stressful and you're worried for them a lot of the time there are a lot of really big threats out there um, and so it it definitely changes and I wanted to look at that um, and then lies 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 which is uh, my latest novel is actually about a woman who has she's so she's you know in her 40s but she has a very very young child and the the, the, the plot is I'm going side. But I'll tell you anyway. Mm. Uh, The plot is um, that she's been with her partner for twenty years. They've got a five-year-old she thinks they're done, they're the perfect little threesome, that's her family. He's actually kind of coming under pressure from society and life, I guess, that he thinks the one other thing he needs to give this child is another sibling. And even though there have been years of IVF to get this first one, and she's like, yeah. I'm not prepared to anymore, we're done. And he's like, no, I think I think just one more push, let's just have another sibling. So first of all, quite an interesting dilemma yeah, between you, the you, family. You rarely
1: see that represented of the, the male partner
2: wanting, wanting the child. Yeah. Um, but also, and this isn't a spoiler because it's first chapter, But then he goes to... he thinks, I'll just get the ball rolling. You know, in that way, when you tell a man something and he doesn't want to hear it, so he just carries on anyway. Sure. So, yeah, good. <laughs> I live uh, with men, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we, I've met a man in the street. Um, so, they. he goes to, um, he goes to an IVF uh, expert and says, you know, I just want to hear, is there any improvements and what we'll have to go through again and can I just have myself all checked out again? And the guy does that and he says, mm-hmm. okay, the bad news is you're never going to be able to have another baby. You know, you're done. But the other bad news is you never ever have had. A <gasps> oh, brilliant! That is such I a great gel! response. Ooh, hello. Oh my God. So then, that's wh- so good. So then, what's the mother's oh, she's very responsibility? Good at this there? Now. Oh, bless you. thank <laughs> you. Um, so, what's the mother's responsibility there? What has she done? Why has she lied to her husband? Why has she let him bring this child up for five years when he is not the father? Wow. And so, is it told from his perspective, first person? Half and half. Oh. Her perspective and his perspective, first person. He. I haven't mentioned this bit which is also why I liked Why Mummy Drinks, because I am interested in our relationship with alcohol. Must come back to that. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Simon, in my book, is um, a functioning alcoholic who clearly, after this news, functions ever so slightly less. <laughs> just saying. Uh, and it absolutely goes tits up because he, he he does go off the rails. And whilst actually his uh, the starting point of this novel is him just wanting his family to be the perfect family, he... Blows it apart in ways you can't imagine.
1: That's so interesting. I've never heard anything like that from the perspective of a dad. Yeah. Like, I'm actually really excited to read that. Oh, I'm not even taking pictures of my mom.
2: Because you do just say that to me. But you're like, oh, yeah, can't wait, can't yeah. wait. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's bye. so brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> but I, did, I didn't take down the name. Can't remember who I've been who to. Who are in. you, buddy? Yeah. But yes, um, but lies, lies, lies. i yes. yes, But no, that is, uh, but going back to drink. Drinking, let's yes drink, Let's talk about it. Um, because that is what, another reason. I liked uh, why mummy drinks and it's a big deal in, in my book I think we've all got a really interesting relationship with alcohol mm. and and it's not it's not out in the open yet, and I think why mummy drinks was bringing it out in the open a little bit. I think more. women's drinking
1: is something that is never spoken about. Yes, yeah.
2: It, except sometimes in the Daily Mail to scold us.
1: Oh sure, but it's always like, look at these eighteen-year-olds out on New Year's Eve drinking themselves yes. into comas. Do you know what I mean? Binge-y, it's binge. never like here's yeah. this thirty-seven-year-old mother. Yes, who... and why
2: is she drinking? And yeah. why is that her wind down? Why is that her crutch? Why is that her social lubricant? Yeah, and why are we all? And it is all those things. And I think that's just me. And yeah,
1: well, no, I, As in, I, again, I have to reference my sister because she is my closest um, ally for this. Um, in that, she's not. She is not this character because um, this is an extreme. It's a. It's a it's parody. An it's fun. But I, she, she fucking loves her gin in the evening. Loves her bottle of wine with dinner or whatever. And I can see the switch in her because it's like a gong has been hit. Of like the children are asleep. This yeah. is my time now. That's like when the ice goes in the glass. And I must say, my sister. Jill is a wonderful parent and non-alcoholic and Jill, please do not do not send me letters. Um, but I can see the relief being like, oh like now it be, now begins my time. Do you know what yes. I mean? Because it can't be I think it used to maybe a generation ago to be like, oh when the TV goes on in the evening. But yeah. now T V has become almost more stressful because it's like screens on all the time, yeah. sounds all the time, lights all the That's time. Interesting. You know?
2: Yeah. And also that thing about my time. If you imagine a life, right, where you don't go the loo on your own. I just I that that's in this book a couple of times so and, and every time it gives me because such it's, pause. It's I'm like, the biggest wow. shock when you're to not a mom. take a poo by so, yourself. Yeah. So for you years. come home from hospital and you're so bothered about your baby, you don't like it in a separate room to you. So then the first time you need to go to the loo, you kind of go, "You are kidding me! What am I going to do? Well, I can't leave it here. What if it wakes up? You know." Yeah. So you take the baby in the loo when... and you're like swaddling it to your chest. As you... No, it's usually Cheers? like a little. Quite often, like a little. Could I suppose you could, but you don't. <laughs> you normally put them in like a little cot thing. You sure. know, like the seats. Yeah, like the bassinet. And they go in like a little seat on the on the floor thing yeah. and they're there. But the same when you shower, all those things. So my baby was born on the first of November and I remember going Wait for it Christmas birthday is my boyfriend. Yay! Yay. Great great birth time. Um, scorpio is very passionate. Um first uh so first of November I remember going Christmas shopping at Wait for It Sainsbury's on my own. Wow and so... thinking it was a treat. So he was about seven weeks old and my then husband had said he would look after him. Babysit his children. Babysit children for two yeah. hours while I went shopping. And um, and it was so late by the time this happened oh. because it was various like, I don't know, pooing in baths and things like that. That by the time I finally did get out of the house to, to, to do this... The only place that was still open was Sainsbury's, and I remember wandering around the Sainsbury's aisles, thinking, "I love this place. I love Sainsbury's. How Sainsbury's, I is heaven. Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's is <laughs> Tiffany for girls that have got babies. <laughs> uh,
1: nothing, yeah,
2: nothing truly awful could happen to you at Sainsbury's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All of that. So, um so I think that thing of uh, the, how can you make me time in your own house yeah. does become drink for quite a lot of people. So, um, and that's not you know that's not just a a female thing that's also a male thing and I just wanted to look at that too in and in my book and also that's why I thought why mummy drinks was what's interesting as well because I think online gambling and app gambling becomes a thing
1: as well (gasps) yes which I thought could have been a nice avenue but maybe would have taken it in too far a different direction if her app had been sort of a a pay for
2: now you've said that I bet like book four is gonna be why mummy gambles I would love why Mummy Gambles. Wouldn't Gamble. that be good? Wouldn't that be good?
1: Yeah. Oh, um, Adele Parks, we have to wrap up. Which you... is a shame because I'm loving my I afternoon. Know. Great. <laughs> You've already um, plugged to uh, High Heaven your new book, which sounds amazing. <laughs> and honestly, I do just say that all the time. <laughs> so, um, but um, uh, I think we should part with who do you think would play the characters in a movie or a TV show?
2: Of my book or of, in of this book? This? Yeah. Ooh. Um, so. Uh, oh, I'm useless at this. I'm really useless at this. Well, actually, okay, I think, let's pick um, someone yeah. like... Would you pick someone like Anna Froggart for The Mum? So she was... Um, sorry, Joanna Froggart for The Mum, because she was Anna oh. in Downton Abbey. You know, like... Yes! She was the, the maid... Yeah, the yeah. Posh yeah, Lady's yeah. Maid. I remember. She'd be quite good because she can do that dark, despairy stuff. Yeah, and it's like humor. staring at the
1: window, but also. And, but and the sh- humour. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's actually quite close to Sharon Horgan's motherland, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. I think maybe just. All
2: the cast yeah, in there. I didn't. I, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. I should. I should have. No, it's fine. So, sometimes bringing on people is I do so do that because I think. Um, I think it's really hard. It's also like if you've read a book and you, after you've seen the film, mm. it's so hard because then you just have the people who played the, in the film in yeah. your head when you read the book. So when I, I always try to read books first, and actually, I never go there. They are just personal to me. Mm. Kind of make them up. So no, sorry. Useless. I think really think it's, it's very interesting
1: how people have different relationships with this because for me, I like, before I even start a book, I just find the actors first, oh, create a Pinterest board, print the Pinterest board, and then stare at it for three months.
2: That's fantastic.
1: I mean, I think it's quite shallow, to be honest. I'm like, yeah, I don't mind puddle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we better go. Fantastic. But, um, Adele, thank you so much for coming in. This has Pleasure. been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. This has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at ZaraLine that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E or email me by the podcast at ZaraLineO'Donoghue at gmail.com This has been a Justice for Done Women podcast thanks to Harry Harris for the jingle Gavin Dave for the logo and Acast for the recording space.